Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast, where you will find the inspiration and motivation you need to manage your money better so you can stress less and live the life you want. This is Ashley with Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast. And today I'm speaking with Derek Hagen, who's a financial health advisor, financial behavioral coach, and a certified financial therapist. Uh, So he knows all about psychology and money. And we're going to talk about how to deal with this crisis, not just financially, but emotionally as well. He has some really great tips for uh, just kind of getting out of the rut and trying to not get depressed and isolated and lonely as much as possible, as much as we can right now. Uh, But he was also on episode number nine of this podcast. So he had some really great tips and advice on uh, your money mindset and things like that. So go check out that episode when you're done with this one. And I am also still doing the free five-day cutting expenses challenge. So check that out. It is free. Lots of ideas for cutting expenses when you have lost income. And if you haven't lost any income yet, um, you know, just in preparation in case in the future at some point uh, you lose income. And of course, there's tips for just saving money if you want to save some money. So check that out at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash cutting dash expenses dash challenge or check the show notes. I will link to it uh, in the notes as well. So welcome, Derek. Hi, Derek. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I am so excited to have you back on the podcast. You were on episode number nine, and we've talked all about mindsets. And today I want to talk to you about dealing with, you know, everything going on in the world, um, not only financially, but uh, emotionally and mentally as well, because it's my understanding that you have now earned um, another certificate. You have a lot of letters behind your name, <laughs> but now you're a certified financial therapist. And so I really want to dive into that aspect of just dealing with everything because you know, when we get depressed and lonely, which a lot of people are right now, we make bad financial decisions and we shop to try and fill that void. And, you know, we can still shop online. So, um, you know, I really want to dive into that, but can you just, um, quickly, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for those that may not have listened to the previous episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that intro. Uh, Derek Hagen, I run a financial therapy firm, Money Health Solutions, and I do some writing and some speaking as well on the topic of psychology and money. So right where those two interact, intersect, that's where I do most of my work. And the p- kinds of people that I'm working with, you know, the, the basics, the fundamentals of personal finance, if you zoom up 10,000 feet, they're not that difficult. You need to save more, you need to spend less, and you need to have good productive conversations about money. Yet people can't get themselves to do it. So there's something in between them and financial health. And so that's when they end up seeing me. So we try to identify what's keeping them stuck. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, how I, I help people get unstuck. Yeah, that's great. Because I mean, just like you said, it's so true. I mean, the, the basics of it are pretty simple, but you know, mentally, we have to wrap our heads around, we have to deal with it. So that's why I am like so excited to talk to you today <laughs> about how we can do that because I, I mean, I know I've spoke to several people that are just 
not handling things very well mentally, even if they're still working, like, but they go home mm-hmm. and they're just at home alone or they can't go mm-hmm. visit their friends and things like that. So what are some, just kind of some tips and advice you have for people that are just really struggling right now and not even just financially, but just mentally and like how to, how to not let that affect your finances as much as possible? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. And there's a lot that we can you know, we can go as deep as we want to, but I'll start with just understand that we're not alone when we're in times like this, just generally, you know, 2008 and 2001, it can feel like we're the only ones going through it. Or even mm-hmm. if we, even if we intuitively know everybody else is feeling it, we don't get to feel what they're feeling. So it can, it can kind of feel lonely and we can feel isolated. Now, if you layer on top of that, the fact that we're told to isolate ourselves that adds a whole nother level of, of stress, you know, mm-hmm. potential stress to, to what we're going through. Uh, so just understand that you're not alone. And um, one, of the, one of the best tips that I'm sharing with not just clients, but everybody is, you know, we're social creatures. And in, in normal times of, of distress, you know, not, not for everybody, like, but if I'm just feeling distressed for some reason I'm grieving or something bad happened to me, uh, a psychologist or another mental health professional would tell you, don't socially isolate, go meet your friends, go meet your family members. Right. But we can't do that now. So at least we can't do that physically. Uh, Utilize, this is a great tip, just utilize some of the video conferencing softwares out there or, you know, the face-to-face talking apps on our phone. I don't, I don't subscribe to, or I don't want to promote any specific one, but there's a lot of them out there. And actually meet with your friends, actually meet with your family members. You can do it face-to-face, you can see each other's faces, you can see each other's mannerisms. And it's not as good as being in person, you can't hug them, but at least you can still socialize with them. Yeah, absolutely. We actually, and I don't know why I didn't think about it sooner. So at the time of this recording, we have been quarantined for a little over a month, our family. Mm-hmm. And like my mom is all by herself. Um, and so she, it's been really hard for her cause she lives like an hour and a half away. So, uh, what we started doing was exactly that we, w- I, um, had her connect online virtually and I set up my mm-hmm. computer cause it was just easier than like trying to hold the phone with like FaceTime. <laughs> right. And I just set her up with my web camera and everything for like hours. And she just, you know, <laughs> she did what she was doing in her house, but she could watch the grandkids watching movies mm-hmm. and dancing around. And that helped her tremendously. Like, I mean, it wasn't as good as actually being there, but you know, it really did help her. And, you know, of course the grandkids, you know, just absolutely loved it. They've been wanting to do it like every day, but it's been, I mean, it's better than nothing. And it really helps mentally like get that connection. Cause just, I mean, talking on the phone has been good too, not just text messages, but, you know, actually Mm -hmm. talking, but then even the video aspect of being able to see what we're doing. And, you know, I kind of set the camera up so she could see like the whole living room. And, you know, we, we made, we had like a virtual sleepover is what we did. And, you know, (sighs) she, she told the kids bedtime stories and just sat on the computer till they fell asleep. It was so sweet, but that really helped to build that connection because it's hard. It's so hard being just alone with the, with the same people in your house all day. Like you (laughs) can't get that. You need that other kind of connection. Absolutely. I, that's an awesome story. I love that. And I, I, I haven't even thought of that before, but just having kind of like a, 
a stream, you know, a live stream of of the grandkids. That's a great idea. Yeah, it was. I and I can't believe I didn't think about it sooner. I mean, because this is, you know, what we do. I'm, I'm on my computer all the time. Like I, I stream with other people, other bloggers and stuff. I was like, how did I not think of that sooner? But we did it like all weekend. It was good. So now we have a plan going forward because it doesn't look like this is going to end anytime soon. You know, we've probably got at least a couple more weeks of this. So at least now we have like a plan to help a little bit uh, with that. I mean, they still miss her crazy, but, um, (laughs) but it's better than nothing. So um, do you have any other ideas of of things um, to just kind of help me to like today, what I've kind of started doing is like still getting dressed and putting on makeup Mm -hmm. and opening the windows. Cause it was like, (laughs) you know, you can only take being stuck inside so long, like you still got to like at least go out in your yard or get some sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's another great tip is, is they're kind of overlapping, but they're not always going to be the same, but one, Mm -hmm. try to try to find a way to exercise. Even if it's light exercise, continue to be active. You know, we're, we're not burning as many calories as we used to. So try to do something to get the blood flowing. And I'm not talking about bench press 300 pounds. You know, go for a walk. So let's see how the second piece is get outside if you can. You know, keep six or 10 feet between everybody else and wear a mask uh, if, if that's recommended for your state. But get outside. If you have a dog, this is a great excuse for you. But even if you don't, it's great to, to get outside. And one little kind of psychological hack that seems to work pretty well is to create rules for yourself, or I call them systems. It's easy for us when we're stuck at home to say, oh, I can do anything I want, whenever I want. It's all unstructured, right? But that's not actually helpful for us. So if we can create a rule that says, every evening I'm gonna go for a 30 minute walk, or I'm gonna walk the dog twice a day, or I'm going to walk to the store when I need something instead of drive or something, but create a little rule so that's an actual um, habit that you're developing for yourself. And it forces you to, you know, to do it because you don't want to break your own rule, right? And that dovetails nicely. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. I try and do this because I know it's smart to do it, but I'm like, well, I'm only, you know, I don't really have to do it. So (laughs) I'm terrible at that. (laughs) So that's, that's a great question. And so, or a great point. So if you're are having that chances are others that are listening to this do that as well and so uh, a great tip then is to go smaller you know last time you asked me about recommended books and there's mm-hmm. two two great books that i'll throw out there before you even ask one is called atomic habits and one is called tiny habits but they're both kind of about if, if you find yourself not doing the steps towards that habit that you want scale it back and be happy, you make it as tiny as possible. So an example in the Tiny Habits book is, uh, the author was trying to get himself to floss every day and he just didn't like it. So his little rule was, I'm just gonna floss one tooth. And that was considered a success. But that often dovetails into flossing the whole mouth, but you don't feel bad if you don't do the whole mouth. So figure out what that tiny step is. So if I make a rule that I'm gonna go for a 30 minute walk and I find myself not doing it, Maybe the rule gets scaled back to, I'm going to go walk to the end of the driveway and back. Or maybe it's even smaller. I'm going to go outside and come back in. Or even smaller is I'm going to put my walking shoes on. So you can make that 
smaller and smaller and smaller. And all you're doing is rewiring your brain to get that habit muscle memory. And then you can build on it once you have that one down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I found like, just like you mentioned, when this first happened, uh, my kids had like a long weekend, so we didn't have school. And then that week, you know, they were figuring out, they, they didn't have any online assignments. So it was kind of like summer mm -hmm. and spring break. And so it was like, you know, we fell out of our routine and then it's taken us like two weeks to get back in a routine. And now we are on spring break. So I'm trying to, oh. <laughs> so I'm still trying to like stay on that routine. So, um, you know, I think that's great advice because I'm, I'm feeling like, okay, now the longer this drags on, it's like, okay, well, I can't be like, oh, well, it's summer and I can do whatever I want kind of mentality. Like I got to get my stuff back together here, Ashley. So, you know, I've, <laughs> I've done really good the last two days of getting up about an hour before the kids and just kind of taking it in, going outside for a minute, you know? So I think that mm -hmm. has definitely helped uh, mentally and my mood instead of just like, you know, drowning in kids all day and just, right, right. you know, I get kind of like a minute by myself. So, and I am yeah, not absolutely. a morning person. So this is like huge <laughs> that I've gotten up when I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's good. And that should be congratulated. Um, so the kind of some of the other ones that you talked about that I'll, I'll highlight and make sure everybody hears is you said that you get up and you get dressed and you start your day. So, so I believe it's important to maintain our normal routines that we had. So we, I, just, I think this is a joke. I don't know anybody personally that does this, but the, the common joke is that people will change out of their daytime pajamas and change into their nighttime pajamas. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, where it's, it's a funny joke, but if you're actually doing that, you're not really putting yourself or you're not setting yourself up to have a successful day. You're just kind of you know, you, you kind of, your behavior matches how you're dressed in a, in a sense. So if you're going mm -hmm. to work, if you still are lucky enough to have a job, put on your clothes, put on your work clothes and try to have a separate um, area where you do your work. That's kind of like your quote unquote office and go to the office and have set hours and maintain business hours. Anything that you can do to create normalcy and routine and regularity will help. Oh, absolutely. And I found that to be true. Um, you know, I've been working from home for the last two years and, you know, for the first year I worked at the, um, kitchen table, like, and I, but I had it set up with like my mm -hmm. computer and everything, but I will say ever since I have like, it's not really a full office. Like it only has three walls. And so the kids are still constantly mm -hmm. bothering me, but I do have like my own little space. And I will tell you, I am a lot more productive and focused in organized with my own little space. So even, right. you know, even if you're not used to working at home and you, this, you know, this has just been thrust upon you, just try and make yourself a small little space to, to kind of get organized and be able to focus and so that you can kind of walk away from it. Because I will say mm -hmm. that when you just carry your laptop around the house, you know, I'm very guilty of this. I tend to work in every little moment I can because I have my laptop sitting there. But if I put it up and I come to my office, then I can focus and work. I'm a lot more productive that way. And then it's not taking over my whole life because I will, I will like work all day, every day and every minute that I can, because you know, I've got three kids, so it's total chaos all the time anyway. So if I get like, okay, they're watching TV for a minute, I'm going to, you know, type on my computer, but it's still not as productive when I can actually like sit at my desk and focus. So I love that advice because I know a lot of people are 
struggling with that because they're not used to working at home and now right. and trying to deal with kids at the same time because that is it's just total chaos right now. <laughs> right, absolutely. No, that's a great point, and that it's kind of that, that dovetails nicely into kind of keep office hours and have a have a stop time. And I'm not saying only work six hours a day or eight hours a day. I mean, if you want to work until you know eight to seven thirty, if that works for you, that's fine. But at seven thirty or whatever the time is for you, that should be your I'm done with work time. Mm-hmm. And then you can transition into family time or free time or whatever it is. But if, if you if you let everything blur together, then you're always going to be working and you're never really going to be present with your family. You're never really going to be present with yourself because you're always just going to be, you know, without that shut off, you're going to be just thinking that you're working all the time, subconsciously mm-hmm. or consciously, but it's just going to be, it's not going to be as uh, calm for you. Oh, absolutely. And I was doing really well with that uh, when the kids were in school and I had a babysitter. So I had like set time to work now, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, this is all I'm trying to find a new routine now. But yeah, definitely because it you get burned out. You feel like you're working constantly. So um, I definitely going to have to figure out that new routine now that we're heading straight into summer. It doesn't look like the kids are going to go back to school. So I got to <laughs> right, figure that right. out. So yeah, it was much easier when I had a babysitter and could, you know, get work during certain set time and then, you know, shut it off otherwise. So now I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get stuff done when I can, but yeah, it turns into an all day thing. So um, right. I definitely love that advice. Um, now, do you have any tips on dealing with everything emotionally right now? Um, but also how it bleeds into the finances with, you know, trying to limit the online shopping or the curbside pickup, um, you know, cause like for me, for example, um, I've kind of used it as an excuse to buy stuff for the kids and new craft stuff and paints and, oh, well they need another activity and stuff. And it's like, okay, Ashley, you need to back it down a little bit. They have plenty <laughs> of stuff to do. Stop ordering stuff online. <laughs> so yeah. You know. ours, ours is with, you know, like you said, curbside pickup. Ours is, oh, we can justify it by saying we got to support the local businesses. Yes, you know, yes. Which you should do. I'm, I don't want that to sound like I'm not suggesting to do that. I'm just saying that it's it's very easy to justify spending too much mm-hmm. when you have a really good reason like that. Right, exactly. We've done the same thing, especially with like eating out. We had been doing so well. It's like, well, they need the business. And then I just spent like $80 in two days on eating out. It's like, okay, I I can't afford to do that. As much as I want to help them, I can't give them all my money. Right, exactly. Right. Help yourself first, like on the airplanes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So is there, um, do you have any tips for <laughs> for not doing that? Like just shut off the internet, like or you know, just kind of try and remember your fi- your bigger financial goals right now. Yeah. So the the biggest, and this is true in finance. It's also true in in life. But what we want to do is put a little space in between the stimulus and the response. Uh, and so what that means, and if, if I can humor myself and do just a tiny little bit of neuroscience it'll be high level <laughs> we've we've all got a subconscious brain and and this is kind of like the brain stem we call it the the reptilian brain uh it's really survival focused and it it's a dark place it literally sees the world in terms of this is going to kill me or it's not this is that's how it thinks and then there's the 
the limbic system kind of comes on the monkey mind comes on line after that that's the other part of the subconscious brain that part of the brain makes most of our decisions the thinking brain the prefrontal cortex that's where we want to make decisions so if we act too quickly we're letting our subconscious mind make those decisions for us so anything that we can do to stop and make us think even if it's for a second and you know don't use this as a shame or blame or passing judgment on yourself tool but i like to have clients write down why money is important to them or what's money's purpose in their life or what are my big financial goals something on a card and now we might even put that on our computer monitor but before you make any purchase look at the card say money's purpose in my life is to you know raise independent children and go on good adventures or something like that whatever it is for you and then justify that purchase however you want you know even if you're going to buy you know i don't know something that totally doesn't fit but you you can legalize legalese your way into that by justifying it somehow that's fine because the only point of this exercise is to make that decision with your conscious brain so you have all the permission in the world to do it um, but let's make that a conscious decision now i can use an example that i think is helpful if i have a bag of potato chips in front of me and they're within arm's reach they're going to disappear <laughs> and i won't yeah. even know where, i don't know where they went until the next time i weigh myself so how can i so that's subconscious eating that's kind of like subconscious spending like i don't even know that i'm doing it but if i spend some time ahead of time and take this bag of chips and separate it into four containers I still have permission to eat all those chips. That's fine. Just like I can spend some time ahead of time and learn maybe what's my, my why, my money purpose. Now I eat the first bag and I get to the end of the bag or the end of the first container. And remember, I have permission to eat all of these chips. But guess what I did? I just made a decision. I have to grab this other container. I just took that out of my subconscious mind and made it a conscious decision that yes, I want to eat the second container. And then when I get done to that, with that second one, now I have another decision to make. I have to decide to eat that third one. So again, I'm not shaming myself into eating all those chips, but I am making that a conscious decision to do it. So the way that you can do that with money is to, you know, justify any purchase that you want, but make it a conscious decision. And you can do that by just reminding yourself, oh, you're about to spend money. Do you really want to? And now you're making a conscious decision. Oh, I love that example. And, um, you know, it just kind of reminds me that what I've kind of, what I've been trying to do is instead of, oh, I need this and I jump on Amazon or, you know, local store to order online, mm -hmm. I just wait. And so I've actually, you know, not bought some stuff that I was going to buy, you know, just kind of make it, you know, look for it. And then I stop myself. So, uh, mm -hmm. and, and think about it. Do I really need this right now? Do I, you know, I can wait like, you know, and just kind of consciously think about it. So I really love that example. Plus, you know, I've had to make the kids put the chips in bowls here lately because they just <laughs> sit and eat the whole bag in one setting. And I'm like, I've spent so much money on food. So I'm right. like, stop, put it in a bowl. And then they have to yeah. think about it. You know, you're not yeah, hungry. Stop yeah. eating. <laughs> absolutely. And you, you touched there too on a um, kind of a more dramatic version or not dramatic you know a more restrictive version of you know what i was saying is just remind yourself in a second 
do I want to actually spend money on this? Uh, and then now you're making a conscious decision. But other people, a guy named Carl Richards writes some books. In one of his books, he writes, use the 72-hour rule. So mm-hmm. create a rule that says, I'm going to put this in my cart and I won't buy it for three days. And that's it. And you'd be amazed. And it sounds like you've had some experience with this. How many times you go back in three days and say, why did I want to buy that? I don't even remember. Yes. I, <laughs> I've done that so many times because it's like, oh, I'll put it in my cart right now while I'm thinking about it. And then I go back mm-hmm. later and then I almost always delete it or, you know, move it out of my cart or whatever. Like, I mean, of course, sometimes I do end up uh, buying it, but you know, I like, I'm just surprised how much stuff I end up just not buying just by waiting. And I don't necessarily wait 72 hours, but you know, it could be 24 hours, 40, it could be a week, right, you right. know, it's just whatever. Like I'll think about something and I'll put it in my cart and then go back. I'm like, I don't really need that. So, yeah. I've had a lot of success using lists. So I put it in a list that oh, way when yes. there's something that I do need to buy, I don't have to save it for later or whatever. It's just in a, it's still in a list somewhere, but it's not as um, aware. I'm not as aware of it, I guess. Yeah. I, you know what? I always forget to even check my list. I've got lots of stuff in there that I've just never ended up buying because it's in the list. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other thing. If you go back and look in the, your list, you'll say, huh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I want that again? So yeah, exactly. that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Um, so You've given us lots of tips and advice and things to think about to help keep us um, from emotionally spending and just, you know, general advice to get us through this trying time. Um, Do you have any last words of wisdom or your number one piece of advice for, you know, dealing with all this, whether emotionally or financially? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's good that we saved this one for the end. This is uh, some exercise that I do with clients and with friends and family members. Uh, This is, it could be money related, but this is more general than that. And it's, I call it turning into the fear. So step one, and this is not easy. The way I describe it, sometimes people think that I'm making it sound too easy. And I I want you to be, or I want to be clear that I understand that this can be painful. It can be uncomfortable, um, but it is helpful if you can get through it. So when you're feeling these negative feelings, actually feel what you're feeling. So we're not really trained in, in the United States anyways, to feel our feelings. So the stereotype is that men are allowed to feel anger and that's the only emotion that they can feel. Mm-hmm. And women are allowed to feel sad and that's the only emotion that they're allowed to feel. So we get confused. Like I might act angry or think that I'm angry, but I'm actually sad or nervous or you know, somewhat afraid. It's because I, we don't have a lot of practice doing that. So feel what you're feeling and then ask yourself, what are you afraid of? And actually, I recommend actually journaling. I want, or it's, it's most helpful if you can do this in paragraph form. If you have a good friend, that's a good listener. This is a good exercise to talk out loud. But if you don't have that, or if you want privacy, you can journal and write it down. But what are you afraid of? And then ask yourself, if so, then what? If that happens, then what? So my mentor, Brad Klontz, uses an example of the economy is going to tank. What were you afraid of? That I'm going to lose my job. My company is going to go out of business. Okay. 
sit with that for a second. You're afraid that you're going to lose your job. What would happen if that, if you did? And then you have to think about that and say, well, I don't know, I guess I would have to try to find another job because I only have six months worth of cash. Okay. And what would happen if you didn't find a job in those six months? Well, I guess I would, I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage and they'd take my house away from me. Okay. If so, then what? Well, I'd probably have to move into my parents' attic or something. So what you're doing here is again, these are not comfortable and you might have to look into some dark places, but what that lizard part of your brain is doing is it, it, it thinks any threat is life or death. So by doing this exercise, you're actually telling it, it's not awesome to go live in your parents' attic, but it's not a life-threatening situation. And remember that it's never as bad as it seems. So if you can get yourself, comfortable is not the right word, but if you can envision yourself living in what your brain came up with as the worst case scenario, then you'll be able to handle what actually happens. And that's just gonna be a rebuilding point. You know, it's, it's not the end of the, of the world. And then further ask yourself, if that worst case scenario happens, what are three or five or 10 things that you're still grateful for? Okay, and then you're, so you're just exploring the fear because the fear is telling you something and you want to turn into the fear, not turn away from it, not suppress it, but turn into it and see what is it telling you and what are, what's, what's likely to happen or what, not what's likely to happen, but what, what would it look like if that came true? And now, once you've gone through that, bring, your back, bring yourself back into the present moment and say, what are 10 things that I can do today to prevent that from happening? So this is, it's, it's long, I made that sound quick, uh, and it's, it can be uncomfortable. But what you'll find is that you're training your brain, or you're telling your brain, this is not as bad as you're telling me it is. Well, and I really love that you brought this up because mental preparation is so important. Um, and I used to mm -hmm. teach this and practice this when I was a police officer and I was a self-defense mm -hmm. instructor for women. And I, you know, still kind of do the same concepts with my clients now, and, you know, very similar to um, how you've described. Um, but if you can just mentally prepare yourself, like you're, you can do it with, you know, I used to do it just driving down the street. If somebody runs out in front of me, does this, mm -hmm. then what, what am I going to do? And you know, that lessens your stress and also kind of helps get your instincts, build those instincts so that you just mentally will go into action if something happens. So I know you're talking about um, one side where I'm talking about like self-defense, but it's still kind of the same concept and idea because you're mentally preparing your brain to go into action and it just lowers your stress level when you have a plan, even just mentally. I mean, mental preparation is like 90% of self-defense. And so this is just kind mm -hmm. of like a different topic, but kind of the same concept. Absolutely. And I love that. I'm, thanks for making that a bigger picture topic. But there's a, you know, there's a lot of, as you very well know, the, thinking about the negative is far more uh, beneficial than thinking positive. You know, if you, any sports star will think, well, what's going to happen just like with self-defense? What's going to happen if I miss that shot? Or what's going to happen if he steals the ball? Or what's going to happen if I, you know, this is what you want to prepare yourself for because then, uh, and this is very similar to what you said, if you can think about it in your head first, you're actually creating little 
um, connections in your brain that when that happens or something similar happens, your brain says, yep, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. So you're not actually thinking on your feet. You're actually have thought about that ahead of time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we did this so much in training and things. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I also did want to mention with, um, you're talking about feeling your feelings. Uh, I do want to say that do this with your children as well. Like I've got small children and I have mm, noticed good, that, yeah. you know, you know, they're starting to get on each other's nerves and being dramatic and just acting out. And, you know, they're going through <laughs> the same things we are too. So we need to, you right. know, talk to them about how they're feeling and kind of, you know, cut them a little bit of slack too, because they're out of their routine. They're mm. not with their friends. They are sad about that. Right. And, they don't, you know, know everything that's going on like we do, but they're still feeling it too. So I did want to touch on that mm -hmm. and just mention that because I've definitely noticed that with, um, with my kids as well. Like, it's like, Oh my gosh, they, they need a break from each other. They need to talk it out. Like they're being, a, yeah, you know, a bit more <laughs> dramatic than normal. <laughs> so right. I did want to mention that. And then, uh, you already mentioned your book, so I won't bring that. I won't ask you that question. Uh, and just, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, uh, today and where can people find more about you and, and follow you? Yeah, so the home home base is moneyhealthsolutions.com. That's where that's kind of the financial therapy website. But the newsletter that I write, there'll be a tab up top called Money Health Blog, and all the social links will be there as well. So that's kind of the home base for me. Awesome. Thank you again for coming with us. And if you want to listen to his previous episode as well, it's number nine. So um, kind of similar ideas, talking about money mindset and um, things like that. So uh, check that one out as well. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Derek for coming on the podcast today and giving us some really good advice for dealing with everything going on right now. And hopefully, you know, kind of mitigating some of the bad financial decisions that we may make under stress and depression and everything else that's going on right now. Uh, so don't forget to go check out his blog, moneyhealth.blog or moneyhealthsolutions.com. And you can also still get the free cutting expenses challenge at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash cutting dash expenses dash challenge. I really should have made that shorter and easier to say on the podcast, but there it is. And it'll be in the show notes as well. And I've got a few more interviews with people and, uh, you know, some really smart professional people on dealing with this crisis and how we can um, make sure to mitigate some of the financial aspects and then also have another one coming from a ER nurse and how to support our healthcare workers and things to do for them. So look for those coming up on the podcast as well.